Ecclesia are less entitled for today. And, and some of you may be familiar with Psalm 34. Um, it's, it's actually, I'm not sure if many of you know this, it's actually in, um, an acrostic, um, which means that each verse of the psalm begins um, with a successive letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And it was made a lot easier for the Jews around the time to, to memorize the psalm. And we, so we don't actually see what it looks like in some of our preferred translations like the NIV or the ESV or the King James Version. Um, but I, I'd like to read the entire psalm for you. It's only 22 verses. We're actually only studying the first 10. Um, and, and this translation is from the Legacy Standard uh, Bible, which was released in uh, 2022. And instead of Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, uh, this translation actually restores God's covenant name, Yahweh, in the text. So this is a Psalm of David when he feigned madness before Abimelech so that he, Abimelech, drove him away and David departed. I will bless Yahweh at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul will make its boast in Yahweh. The humble will hear it and rejoice. O magnify Yahweh with me and let us exalt his name together. I inquired of Yahweh and he answered me and delivered me from all that I dread. They looked to him and were radiant, and their faces will never be humiliated. This poor man called out, and Yahweh heard him, and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of Yahweh encamps around those who fear him and rescues them. O oh, taste and see that Yahweh is good. How blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. O oh, fear Yahweh, you his saints, for there is no want to those who fear him. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they who inquire of Yahweh shall not be in want of any good thing. Come, you children, listen to me, and I will teach you the fear of Yahweh. Who is the man who delights in life and loves many days that he may see good? Guard your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of Yahweh are toward the righteous, and his ears are open to their cry for help. The face of Yahweh is against evildoers, to cut off the memory of them from the earth. The righteous cry, and Yahweh hears, and delivers them out of all their troubles. Yahweh is near the brokenhearted, and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Many are the evils against the righteous, but Yahweh delivers him out of them all. He keeps all his bones, not one of them is broken. Evil shall slay the wicked, and those who hate the righteous will be condemned. Yahweh redeems the soul of his slaves, and all those who take refuge in him will not be condemned. So this psalm is actually divided into two parts. The first 10 verses are seen as a hymn of praise, and then the last set of verses are actually seen as a sermon. Well, as I said, we'll only look at the first 10 verses today. So let's start first with uh, where are we? So... To give us an idea of where this psalm takes place, um, it, it actually takes place in a period um, when, before David becomes king. And it's in, as you can see, it's First Samuel chapter 21. Um, and I'll, I'll just read this just to give you some context for the psalm itself. Then David arose and fled that day from Saul and went to Achish, king of Gath. But the servants of Achish said to him, Is this not David, the king of the land? Did they not sing of this one as they danced, saying, Saul has struck his thousands, and David his ten thousands. And David took these words to heart and greatly feared Achish, king of Gath. So he disguised his sanity in their sight and acted insanely in their hands. 
and scribbled on the doors of the gate and let his saliva down, run down onto his beard. Then Achish said to his servants, Behold, you see the man behaving as a madman? Why do you bring him to me? Do I lack madmen that you have brought this one to act the madman before me? Shall this one come into my house? So David departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. And his brothers and all his father's household heard, it, heard of it and went down there to him. Then everyone who was in distress and everyone who was in debt and everyone who was bitter of soul gathered to him. And he became a commander over them. Now there were about 400 men with him. Just to give you an idea of, of where this takes place. So preceding these verses, um, David is on the run. First he goes to Nob and he, he has no food. And so there he's able to get some bread. And then he goes to Gath, which is Goliath's hometown. And as it, as it happens, that, uh, that, that this is where the incident in 1 Samuel chapter 22 takes place, where he feigns madness. And then so he runs to Adullam. So about 12 miles away from Jerusalem, not very far. And as we saw in, in the previous verses, he has to act crazy in order to escape from King Achish and, and his soldiers. He's drool running down his beard, acting like a madman, scratching on, on the gate. Um, and when his family finds out where he is, they gather to him at the cave. And, and so he's on the run. And how many of us have actually felt like that over the past few months? Maybe not on the run, but we've had disappointments. We've had setbacks. Maybe a friend or, or, or a family member hurt us. Or maybe some of us had hopes for the future. Maybe we had dreams of a job or a relationship. Or maybe we had a, a trip that just didn't go through. And, or we lost somebody that we know or someone that we know is, is sick or we have just fears of, of the future with potential war on the horizon or some type of natural disaster. And it seems like there was more bad news in 2023 than probably the previous years and maybe for some people 2024 isn't being any better. But the overall message of Psalm 34 is what we as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ should do in difficult situations. Struggles and suffering are the story of all of us as human beings, and, and which takes us to our first set of verses. I will bless Yahweh at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul will make its boast in Yahweh. The humble will hear it and rejoice. Oh, magnify Yahweh with me and let us exalt his name together. So, so first off, what does it mean to bless the Lord, to bless God? So the bless is the Hebrew word barak, which is related to the word knee. So to bless the Lord means to spiritually kneel before him. And, and this is worship that's in a humble and a soulful and a respectful state. When you bless God, you humbly and respectfully acknowledge who he is. He's the creator of all and the master of all. And David says, at all times, so those are the Hebrew words, call eth. And eth means seasons, as in the seasons of life. And eth was actually a word that Moses used to describe the 40 years that the children of Israel were wandering in the wilderness. So at all times, and in all places, and in every situation, we praise the Lord, whether it's spring, whether it's summer, whether it's fall, whether it's winter, in the city, in the mountains, or even in the deserts of life. And 
Most of us don't know what it's like to be hunted like David was, but we all know what's, what it's like to be in the winter time of our lives. Disappointment after disappointment comes. Your, the dreams that you wanted to accomplish, they, it seems like your dream hits an iceberg just like the Titanic and you just watch it sink slowly into the ocean down into the depths of the sea. And maybe for some of us right now, you just can't get a break from anything that's bad and things just keep happening and happening. And yet, people like David are still determined to worship Yahweh God and praise his holy name, even in the deepest caves of despair. And none of us is, will, will be immune to any problems, family, financial addiction. Some of us are, may have even suffered abuse or are sick with disease. And this leads to, always leads to some type of guilt, some type of shame or fear or grief or hopelessness. And it's in times like this, this is where David sets an example for us. So notice some of the words that he uses here. These are all action words. Bless, boast, magnify, exalt. David says that he will bless Yahweh God and boast in Yahweh God. David actually means to take action. Uh, these words here, when directed at Yahweh God, are the medicine that we need to counter such things as despair, as depression, and even doubt. When you know that God is sovereign over all things and allows all things to bless us and also test us to make our faith stronger, then you come to an understanding that digging a hole of depression for yourself or just standing there with a kick-me sign on your back does nothing to glorify God. And so this brings us to our first lesson point. Praising Yahweh God is a habitual daily activity. David is making a vow, a daily vow, to praise God. It's so easy for us to bless God when things are going good, but not so easy when things just aren't going right for us. And, and here's David in fear of his life, and he's praising God. Scripture commands us to be a people who give thanks to Yahweh God in all situations, knowing that God is sovereign over our lives. And so in the routineness and in the boredom of everyday life, we are to bless the Lord. In the hectic madness of the morning commute, we are to bless the Lord. In the morning when you just can't get the kids up and the coffee maker doesn't start at the right time and it, the coffee tastes awful like it's just all water, you are to bless the Lord. In the quietness of a bookstore, bless and praise the Lord. Or standing, standing at the beach and listening to the roar of the ocean, bless the Lord. Or if you're stuck in your home during a blizzard and you see the snow start to pile up to your windowsill, still bless the Lord. And David makes a, vo a vow to fulfill um, his, this promise in the next verse. Where he says, my soul will will make its boast in Yahweh. The humble will hear it and rejoice. So he's, he's going to boast not in himself. He's going to boast in Yahweh God. And, and he's not just going to boast in the silence of the cave. He's going to invite others to hear this boasting in God. When, when he mentions humble there in, in verse 2, that's the Hebrew word anab. It means that those whose spirits are brought low because of suffering and because of oppression. These were the people who came to him in the cave. Their, their dreams had been shattered. The, the man that they hoped would be a great king, King Saul, turned out to be a tyrant. 
And yet David, instead of seeing to his own needs, sees to their needs instead. And he says, Oh, magnify Yahweh with me and let us exalt his name together. So to magnify God is to proclaim how great he is and to exalt him and only him and to lift his mighty name on high. And instead of gathering people together to mourn their situation, David gathered them together to praise. And, and this brings us to our second lesson point. A person who has experienced God's grace will worship God with others. David had experienced God's grace. He'd, he'd been saved from death at the hand of, of Saul and, and from captivity in Gath. And the most unlikely place that this guy would be happy would be hiding in a cave. And yet that's the mercy of God that he's still alive. And, and it's, it's possible for us to worship God on our own. And there may be times when we, we have to. We have no choice to worship God on our own. But we, we were meant to worship God with a body of believers. Corporate worship is natural. Gathering together for occasions is natural. Some of us are going to be gathering this afternoon for the game. Uh, others, we get together to celebrate, to mourn. It's something that God instilled in all of us. God wired us to gather together. And so with the people gathered together in the cave, David gives his testimony. I inquired of Yahweh, and he answered me and delivered me from all that I dread. They looked to him and were radiant, and their faces will never be humiliated. This poor man called out, and Yahweh heard him and saved him out of his troubles. So in, in verse 4, David reminds us that with each problem that popped up, from his lack of food, from his lack of, of, of a weapon, uh, to almost being captured, David is implying here that he inquired of God. This means that he sought God out and and in the midst of his panic, he prayed silently and asked the Lord what he should do. And God answered his prayers. No food? Okay, here's food. You can get the bread of the presence from the temple. No weapon. Interestingly enough, God makes it makes sure that David actually gets the sword of Goliath as a weapon that he could use. And then enemies about to capture him, God let David acting crazy be convincing enough to the soldiers in Gath that they didn't want him around, that they let him go. So, but here's, here's the key to verse 4. David earnestly sought out the Lord, and upon receiving an answer, David did as God directed. And, and some people don't do that. They, they pray and they ask God for something. And sometimes they're given an answer that they don't like, and, and instead of following through, they go a different course. And then in verse 5, we go from prayer to obedience, to a change in demeanor. From terror and fear to joy. Um, and then from fear of the present to hope for the future. And from certain death to the assurance of life. An, an encounter with the living God, the God of the Bible, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit will spark a change in you. You, you can just imagine David's men were thinking, when, when they're hiding in the cave with him, they, they, they see this guy joyful. And they're wondering, how can this be? And in verse 6, David tells them why. He says, this poor man. Poor in this verse is completely different from humble that was mentioned in verse 2. Here in verse 6, David is using the word avi, which means that he is just as afflicted as they are. He's in the same situation as them. And what he's saying is that he's no better than them. 
he's, he's just like them. It, it, it was uh, something similar to what the late Billy Graham said. He said, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. No one is better than anyone else when it comes to the cross of Christ. No one is higher than anyone else and no one is closer than anyone else when we stand before the cross of Christ. And that's what David is saying here. I'm just like you. I'm afraid. I'm tired. I'm hungry. And yet I am determined to praise Yahweh God because he heard my cry. So this is a psalm for all of us who've had a rough 2023 and may have started 2024 had a rough start as well. This, this is a psalm for those who think that God has forgotten them. And it reminds us of the truth that God has not forgotten any of us. And, and one more thing David is saying is that it was God and God alone who pulled David out of his problems. It wasn't David, it was Yahweh God. And David reminds them of something else. The angel of Yahweh camps around those who fear him and rescues them. So David says the angel of Yahweh encamps. The, the Hebrew word for encamped means to pitch a tent. So the angel of the Lord actually pitches his tent around us. This means that the faithful, as the faithful in the Lord Jesus Christ, we are not alone. And, and so, so let's put our mindset into the, of the Jews, into the Jew, uh, mindset of the Jews who were living 3,000 years ago when David ruled and reigned, roughly that was around that time period. When you pitched a tent with somebody, it means that you're going to be living under their roof. That the, their covering extends over you. That their, their tents, just like circling the wagons during the Old West, uh, the tents encircled what was most important and it circled them as, as a hedge of protection. Um, here's the thing though, the, the angel of God encircles and protects those who fear God. So when you pitched a tent with someone, you were making an agreement and they covered you. That meant that you were under their headship and that they were basically the leader of your group. You may have shown up and you may have been the leader of your little group and you could still be the leader of your little group, but now you are under the headship of the person with the biggest tent there. So now, now let's look at the word fear because this, is all, this has been a point of contention with a, with, with a lot of people. It is fear in the sense of being afraid, but it is also fear in the sense of reverence and awe. They, they don't cancel each other out. Fear is the end result of reverence and awe for God. So when you revere and when you are in awe of God, you understand exactly who he is. He's the person who brought everything into existence and he can bring everything in existence to an end. And so this brings us to our third lesson point. Yahweh God is the sole source of our protection and salvation. So he's like the ocean liner in, in, in the middle of a hurricane. The waves are rocking the ship and they're coming over and onto the deck and splashing the deck. But as long as you stay inside, you're safe. But the moment you decide to leave his protection and open that door and step out onto the deck, you'll be swept away into the ocean and may be lost forever because you've left his hedge of protection. You dared to wander off on your own. That's the proper fear of God. That's the proper fear of the Lord, knowing that there are consequences if you don't fear him. If you do, then he will keep you safe and rescue you in times of trouble. And so the, the Lord Jesus Christ is the only one capable of saving any man 
or any woman from an eternity without God. And so to follow him, to pitch a tent with him and live under his protection is to ensure that you're on, uh, is to ensure that you're on the path to eternity with him. And the world and false religions will do their best to pull you outside of that tent and you, you have to resist leaving his protection. O taste and see that Yahweh is good. How blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. O fear Yahweh, you his saints, for there is no want in those who fear him. The young lions do lack and suffer, and suffer hunger, but those who seek Yahweh shall not be in any want of any good thing. So taste in, in verse 8 doesn't just mean taking like a really small, tiny bite or taking a tiny sip of something. It, it means taking a healthy portion. It, it means diving into all that God is. And, and we do this first by trusting God and believing in the saving work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so to taste Yahweh God is to know him better. And we know him better by feasting on his word. And we know him better by, in, and we enjoy him more through the study of his word. And so we can almost look at the word taste and put the word trust in there. Trust God and see that he is good. Dare to take his word into your mind and into your heart. And when you trust God and see that God is good, you will run to him and take refuge in him. And we all did that as children. Something scared us. And if mom, or, mom and dad is there, you take off and you run into their arms. And, those, and mom and dad will scoop you up into your arms. And you feel that measure of safety. You feel that measure of protection. That's... That's how we run and that's how we seek refuge in God. Verse 9 reminds us once again to fear God and it's a reminder that if we want to experience God's abundant goodness and protection, we do have to fear him. When we truly fear Yahweh God and show him the reverence and respect that he deserves and we obey him, he will not withhold anything that he knows that we need. And verse 10 reminds us that to receive these limitless blessings from Yahweh God, we need to actually seek him. Most people have a, a limited understanding of God um, and they want that blessing without the seeking. God wants us to constantly seek after him in his word, in worship with others, in study with others, and in service to others. Um, Professor Donald Wilson wrote the following about seeking after God. The Lord is good in his benefits. But more than that, the Lord is good in himself. When we taste him, we are filled. To lack Christ is to lack everything. To have Christ is to have everything. Thus, those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. And this brings us to our final lesson point. To taste the goodness of Yahweh God, you actually have to trust him. And that's a very hard thing to do sometimes to trust. But Yahweh God is trustworthy and true and, and he will never fail at his promises. And perhaps sometimes when you, when you taste of his goodness, you might be thinking, this, this tastes like unflavored cough medicine or something like that. But perhaps he needs to change something in you before it starts to taste sweet. And the more you taste of the Lord, um, each taste will be as sweet as honey. So don't be afraid to taste and to savor and to trust the one true God. And we all have this spiritual hunger that needs to be satisfied. We, we hunger for many things. We hunger for 
righteousness in a world that's just gone off track or we hunger for justice for those who've been wronged or have no rights. We, we hunger for security in a time when wars are breaking out or we hunger for safety when people start to turn on each other or we hunger for eternity when the world teaches us to live for the here and now. Our only hope for, to fill this hunger is to run to the Lord Jesus Christ and trust his finished work on the cross of Calvary and repent of our sins and turn from our sins knowing that his shed blood has set us free and gives us a satisfaction that our eternity is secure in his hands. And so this brings us to our three questions. The first is, in difficult times, who do you minister to? When hard times come, it's natural to minister to ourselves. Uh, we pray to God and we ask for guidance and, and when God gets us through it in whatever way he chooses to do it, sometimes it it ends there. We, we, we survive. The, the funds showed up that we were so desperately needing or, or we had an addiction to something and, and we remembered to pray and we were delivered from that addiction. We were able to turn away from that addiction but sometimes when we've overcome that, we move on. David reminds us that it shouldn't stop there. That once we're done ministering to ourselves, we minister to others. The Lord Jesus Christ says in Luke chapter 22, verses 31 to 32, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift each of you like wheat. But I have pleaded in prayer for you, Simon, that your faith should not fail. So when you have repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brothers. So we all need strengthening. And those of us who have been through a lot can empathize a lot with others. And sometimes all you have to do is let a person who is wounded cry on your shoulder or let that grieving person tell story after story of the person that they lost. And we encourage them in the spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so there's a distinction here. We encourage them in Christ, not in ourselves, not in our experiences. And too many people have tried to encourage others by saying, well, I've, I've been through this, I... I know what you're going through. This is what I say. No. No, we, we encourage the hurting in Christ and Christ alone. We point them to Christ and Christ alone. And we encourage them to seek and continue seeking Christ and Christ alone. And so this leads us to our second question. Are you earnestly seeking the God of the Bible? There's a lot of people who seek but never find because they're looking in the wrong place. If you want to know the character of God, he's in the Bible. If you want to know how he loved people as a father, as a savior, and as he continues to love people today in the person of the Holy Spirit, he's in the Bible. When you're seeking God, there's a thirst for him. Uh, he's the spiritual food that, that we all crave. And, and we all know that it, what it's like to miss a meal or two, is that how you feel when you miss time with God? Like we're, we're all drawn here together on, Sunday, on a Sunday to worship together. We, we all treasure those moments of worshiping with our brothers and sisters in Christ. But, but what happens when you're away from here? Do you feel the spirit of Jesus knocking on your consciousness during the week saying, let's spend some time together? Because God the Most High is earnestly seeking after you. So we should seek after him. And our final question. 
Whoops. Okay, go back. <laughs> Have you tasted of the goodness of God? John Piper wrote the following. Drinking the milk of the word will lead to salvation not if you have heard or known or decided but if you have tasted and the apostle peter wrote in first peter chapter 2 verses 2 through 3 like newborn babies you must crave spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation cry out for this nourishment now that you have a taste of the lord's kindness So there are people in church all across the planet who've heard of Jesus, they've read about Jesus, but how many have actually tasted of who Jesus is? How, how many have actually seen and recognized his goodness in their, in their lives? How many are, are living changed lives because of the Lord Jesus Christ? If, if they haven't, then they haven't actually tasted of him. They're, they're happy looking through the glass of the restaurant, but they, they don't want to go in. Uh, e even when there's a sign outside that says free buffet lunch. They, they want to stay outside in the world. And the Lord Jesus Christ is inviting all of us to go into the restaurant. What he gives us, his salvation, is free. And if you've never heard of the goodness of God, what are you waiting for? You, you just have to have the courage to step away from the world and step into his camp and get that free food for the first time. And you've, if you've tasted of the goodness of God, then come on back for more. The food has always been free. And we could eat as much as we want, get our fill of as much of the Lord as we want. But we have to take that step forward. And instead of just looking, we need to participate. And as we participate, and as we experience the goodness of Yahweh God, then no matter what situation we're in, no matter what dark cave we find ourselves in, we will know that God will provide for us in our time of need. And then we can turn, we can in turn encourage and inspire others to experience the goodness of God. And so we're, our final song is actually one we sang earlier, the goodness of God. And I encourage you to focus on his goodness because there's a lot of things that want to pull our attention away from the goodness of God because he really is a good God. He's a good father. We sang that. And his goodness is there for the taking. You just have to be bold enough if it's your first step to go in there and partake of his feast. And if you've, again, if you've experienced it before, go back in again because there's seconds, there's thirds. His goodness is limitless. Amen?